Hello, chefs. You're listening to Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about why your food needs stories. Stay tuned. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So first, let's start with an update. I just finished The Kitchen Art of War, Strategies for Chefs. It is available. You could go to chefspsa.com to get it, or you, you know, there's a link in any of my social handles in the link tree. You could click on that, and you could get to it. It's um, only available right now in ebook. I don't think I'm going to publish it. I think I'm going to keep it only as an ebook. If anything, I will also make an audiobook. At least that is the plan, but... Uh, for those of you that are not aware, that are thinking about getting into writing books and publishing, audiobooks are much more lengthy and difficult to publish than the written and the ebooks. Um, audiobooks just, you know, there's a lot more uh, technical requirements. So, anyway, I don't want to bore you with that. Hence the reason for the delay right now in the Line Cook Survival Manual audiobook, which I have been working on. <clears throat> We're getting closer, but still not done, not ready. Anyway. That's what I've been up to. I got uh, I got to tell you this because I thought it was funny. I got an email the other day from um, someone at Columbia University, and they addressed me <laughs> in the email as mental athlete. Now, f- for those of you that don't know, if you haven't been listening or maybe just weren't paying attention, um, I was in the United States Memory Championships. I want to say, funny enough, I don't remember, but I want to say in the year 2000. Oh, I placed eighth, so there's about 200 competitors. It's put on by MIT, and I placed eighth out of 200 because um, I'm a nerd, for those of you that haven't figured that out. I am a nerd in real life. I like to read a lot, and I do a lot of stupid things to... Actually, I don't do stupid things. I do smart things to make me smarter. Anyway, long story short, the email addresses me as mental athlete and uh, it says that they want me to go to New York and study my brain, put me in an MRI machine. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was funny. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have anyone study my brain. I don't, they're probably just you know trying to steal my, my ideas for Chef's PSA content. Anyway, so that that's, uh, I just thought that was funny and... I thought I'd share that with the audience. For those of you that know me, know that I'm a mental athlete. I changed, I used to change my name um, about once every two weeks. I would change my name on Instagram to something new. And for a while, it was mental athlete. Anyway, I thought it was funny. So now it's back to mental athlete. It's no longer the parody account of Andre Natera. So now it's back to mental, mental athlete, Andre Natera. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. I keep getting offers to get sucked back into kitchens. And um, I was supposed to go help a friend uh, open up a restaurant. Anyway, that didn't come through. Restaurants still happening, but they don't need my help. They found out I'm expensive. (laughs) And uh, talking to another friend about doing something and then talking to someone else about doing something. And 
people want me to go back into the kitchen. I, it's like, I'm retired. I don't want to go back into the kitchen, but I don't mind helping out friends with, uh, you know, going in and consulting and helping them get up and running and then, you know, leaving them with all the problems and say, okay, all right, it's, it's all you I'm going back to chilling and, uh, making podcasts and writing books and things like that. Anyway, I, I do miss the kitchen at times. And when I think about what I miss about it, I, I do kind of miss the action and, and, you know, the, the, the grind and, but that will probably wear off pretty quick, right? You know, you miss it for a little bit and then you get back in. And it's like, uh, I, didn't, I don't know if I missed it that much. I'm going to go back to doing what I normally do. Anyway, I, I do miss it. I was thinking about this the other day. I was texting with one of my friends. He's a chef in New York and uh, he works at a really great restaurant. And I was looking at the food that they're doing, this bistro, and it's, it's incredible. It's beautiful food, stunning. And I started thinking to myself, boy, if I ever open up a restaurant, it would be really basic food, like really done well, technical, but basic. I wouldn't go too complicated, like keeping up with trends and all that. I would just want to do simple food that I enjoy, executed very well, proper technique, but not over the top, not trying to be trendy. Just, I would focus more on delicious versus cool. Me personally, that's what I would do if I was opening up a restaurant right now. And the reason I say that is sometimes I think, um, cool is short lived, right? But there's longevity and delicious, right? Delicious can be in the neighborhood for 20, 30 years and your kids go there and your kids' kids go there. And, you know, I, I don't know if I plan on cooking that long, if I would ever open up a restaurant, but, uh, someone else had reached out to me and started asking me about how do you negotiate a deal uh, to get ownership and this, that, and the other. So that's why I put up a poll today. I said, what do you want the episode to be about? Do you want it to be about why food needs stories? Or do you want it to be about how to get that money? Why food needs stories one. So that's what we're going to talk about. We'll talk about how to get that money on another episode and strategies on how to negotiate salary, not just for chefs, but also for cooks. Cause I think it's important to teach cooks um, how to get their money how to negotiate when they're applying for a job, but also teach chefs. Again, how do you negotiate that deal to make sure that you're getting taken care of financially, right? Because money is important. We um, Passion is good too, but at the end of the day, we all have bills to pay and getting paid well. And knowing how to get paid well is an important skill as a chef. So anyway, I digress. Let's get into the topic at hand, and that is why food needs stories. Well, I, I think it's pretty obvious why food needs stories, but in case it's not, I'm going to tell you all a story. I'll start out with a story. And that is growing up, my mom, I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, by the way, she hates the story because I've told her and she says it's not true, but it is true. <laughs> so, so when I was a kid, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you think your parents' food is great. So whenever my mom would cook, I loved it. Whenever my dad would cook, I loved it as well. And they like, they were the best chefs I knew, my mom, my dad. And I remember I was having a party and I invited my friends over. Now I was a kid. I don't remember how old I was, but I was a kid. And I invited my friends over and my mom was going to make this, um, her, her nacho cheese dip, uh, chili con queso, right? And I used to love that. I used to love it so much. And I would tell everyone how good it was. Anyway, I thought it was the best thing ever. I invited all my friends over and, and I was like, I can't wait for you to try this. And they tried it and they're like, uh, your mom's a terrible cook. This sucks. <laughs> and I remember like, what are you talking about? My mom's a great cook. What, what are you talking about? Anyway, um, I remember I was so dumbfounded to think that this wasn't good. But I was like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how people could think this is not good when it's excellent, right? Anyway, long story short, I go to culinary school. I learn how to cook. I come back and I realize, oh, shit. 
Yeah, it is bad. But I didn't know that, right? Because the attachment to the dish, the, atta- the emotional connection to the food makes a big difference in what you're doing. So whenever you're putting dishes on the menu for your restaurant, you could have a dish And if that dish has a story, it's going to have a more emotional connection to you. And it's also going to have an emotional connection to your cooks. It will also translate to an emotional connection to the guests in your dining room. If, for example, you have a lasagna on the menu, and I think this applies more to universal food that everyone has a way of doing it. Like, you know, if you say I'm making a lasagna, everyone's going to tell you, oh, I make it this way. And someone else is going to say I make it that way. I mean, there's a chef's PSA that I put up that no matter how well, you do something another chef thinks you're wrong. And it's very true. Like I put chef's PSAs up all the time and people tell me how I'm wrong, um, that they do it another way. It's like, yeah, read, read chef's PSA rule number one. No matter what I tell you, you're going to think your way is better. So let's say you're making this lasagna. And if you go out there and you say, and you present it and you say, this is lasagna, right? The server serves it to the guests and you say, here's the lasagna. Well, people are going to say, well, I don't know if I like it. You know, the one over here is better. So-and-so's is better. But if you go and you deliver that lasagna and say, this is the lasagna that my mother used to make for me. And it was passed on from her mother and so on and so forth. And the way that we make it is we do this, that, and the other, and it's a two day process and we grind the meat. And she always said, I'm just making this up, but the lasagna has to have carrots because my, my grandmother used to put carrots in it. So I know that's not traditional, but that's the way we do it. Well, then when someone gets it, they'll be like, okay, so the judgment of the dish is removed and you're able to have someone connect with you on that particular dish, right? It's important to remember that a lot of the experiences that you have with food are anchored to memories, and that particular anchor can affect how you perceive a particular moment in time, and specifically the food that you ate. When a story is attached to the food, it allows you flexibility to play with the rules a little bit and color outside the lines and make something not traditional. And I'm, I'm using, you know, finger quotes as I say that, not traditional, because, you know, every chef's going to say, oh, it has to be made like this. You know, if you're making a bolognese sauce, you have to have this. If you're making a stock, it has to have this. So everyone gets caught up in the proper way to do things. But when food has a story, you could use that to your advantage to color outside the lines of tradition and make it unique to yourself. And I know I've said this before on Chef's PSA podcast, but I've also said it on social that I do think that the next food trend is going to be you sharing stories about your food, right? It's where you grew up. It's your house. It's your home. It's your neighborhood, whatever the case may be. It's not going to be so much based on the tradition of the cuisine. It's going to be based on the tradition of the individual. As much as I believe that, I also think it's a smart marketing play for a lot of chefs because again, you could you, you have some flexibility to color outside the lines when you want to. I'll tell you this story, and I, I hope I haven't shared this before, but I was at this restaurant, and with every course, they would come out and they would explain you know, the origin of the dish, where it came from, the tradition of the recipe, so on and so forth. And you know, when the server comes out and explains that there's a story behind each dish, again, the tomatoes came from this farm. That's a story. Then there's the story of the farm. Okay, the farm does this, that, and the other. Where'd you get your steak from? Oh, we get it from this farm. And this farm raises their cows like this. And this particular cow was named that, right? All of a sudden, the food tastes different. People are connected to stories and people will remember stories. And, you know, I I know I started out this podcast talking about the memory championships. But I could, people ever want to learn how to memorize a bunch of things uh, in sequential order, I could tell you that the way you remember things for memory competitions 
is through a story. So you'll say, um, if I gave you 10 random words and uh, said, memorize them, you'd have a hard time. But if I told you a story and I said, first we did this, and then we were walking down the street and we saw this, and then you went here and you did this, it would be much easier for you to remember the story and the particular items in sequential order. Because that's the way our brains are wired to remember things is, is through story. You know, there's obviously oral tradition. Stories were passed along for, you know, generations. So when your food has the story, people are going to be more inclined to feel an emotional attachment to that. And they're also going to feel an emotional attachment to you. There was a restaurant that I oversaw in, in Austin, Texas called Garrison, which shout out to them. They just received Forbes Travel Guide, uh, four-star rating again. Um, I think they're the only four-star restaurant in Austin, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, shout out to the Garrison team, Chef Graham and Chef Jacob, you guys, well done. But anyway, I, when we first opened the restaurant, we used to have a box on the table and it was this mysterious box that, uh, what was in it. And we didn't say anything about it. It would, it would get placed on the table and, uh, there was little knickknacks in there. And so maybe there was a cork, maybe there was a photograph, maybe there was a notebook where you could just leave little notes. And it was, um, Alex Gonzalez's idea uh, Alex is a good friend of mine. He was the uh, GM of the restaurant when we first opened up. He is now the GM at, uh, next restaurant in Chicago. Shout out to Alex, also a phenomenal artist. But anyway, we digress. But it was like you'd go through it and you pick up the the photograph, and there might be uh, one of the chefs grilling on a small Weber grill. Uh, because when we were doing the test kitchen, we didn't have a grill to cook on, so we had to cook on this little teeny tiny grill. And there's a photo of it. But it's like when someone would look at this photo and be like, "Oh, this is kind of random. What's in here?" Then it would start the conversation. Oh, here's the story behind this, and this is how it happened. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's super interesting. Now they have a connection with the culinary team. Now they have a connection with the restaurant. So figuring out ways where you could include a story in your food is going to make the experience much better. It's going gonna, it's gonna to create some sort of stickiness with the guest and start to build the bond with them. One of the things that I did at that particular restaurant, so I had to do a cooking interview, and, and this is a story that... Not a lot of people know, but it does illustrate the point. And I'm, all, I'm a little bit cautious to share it, but I'll share it anyway, because, you know, statute of limitations in the culinary world have passed. Anyway, I was on an executive chef cooking interview and it was intense. I had to do like nine courses and I had to do Italian food and I had to, do, you know, it was multiple restaurants that I was going to oversee. So I had to do like food from this restaurant, food from that restaurant, food from this other restaurant. Long story short, I had to do this, um, this Italian course, which is like a bread gnocchi. And, um, you know, it's, it's basically, it has speck in it. It has onions, it has bread and you make it almost like matzo balls and it's served in a broth. Anyway, I spent all day making sure that the broth was perfect. And, you know, it was a, it was a brodo and it had like Parmesan rind in it and prosciutto trimmings. And it had, I put some, uh, bonito flakes in it. So it was like super punchy, umami, savory broth. And then, you know, you had these, these, uh, bread gnocchi that were going to go in it and it was just going to be, you know, delicious and unctuous and beautiful. Well, anyway, because I have to do nine courses for this tasting and I'm like organized and I'm like banging things out and everything's perfect. I, I could tell you that there's, there's very few times that I could tell you I was so organized and on point. This was one of those times. It was like, I was organized on point and I was banging out nine courses and everything looked beautiful. Anyway, we get to the bread gnocchi. And like I said, the broth was absolutely perfect, but I left it on my burner and it kept cooking. And as it kept cooking, it started to reduce. And as it starts to reduce, you know this, 
what happens? It was perfect, but now it became salty. And I fucked up because I didn't taste it before I served it. So here I am, I'm plating the gnocchi and I put the broth in and I have it all set. And it's just a beautiful bowl with this gorgeous broth. I give it to the service staff and I say, okay, take it. Now, as the server is walking to the table to present it to my potential new employers, I taste the broth and I'm like, oh shit, it is inedibly salty inedibly salty. And I'm thinking this is a deal breaker. It is so salty. I shouldn't get the job, right? It's that bad. It's so salty. I should not get the job. But I think to myself, you've come this far. Everything else is so on point. You can't lose this opportunity due to salty broth. So I quickly run to the table and before they begin, you know, the plates were placed right in front of them. And I explained the course and I said, now, before everyone tries this dish, let me tell you a little story about this dish. This comes from a small town in the northern part of Italy um, near the coast. And the way that they do it, there's something called aquapazza, which means crazy water. And what they do is they, they go to the ocean, they take a bucket of, of seawater, and they cook the gnocchi, the bread gnocchi, inside the seawater. And the reason they do that is because the bread is so bland, they use it to season the gnocchi. So the seawater, being salty, seasons the gnocchi, which is bland. And then what you're supposed to do is I just want you to eat the gnocchi, but do not drink the broth because it is going to be salty the same way that it is served in this small town in Italy. And they ate it and they said, thank you for sharing that with us. That is brilliant. We've never heard of that before. What a great story. And if you hadn't said anything to us, we would have thought this was salty, but it's perfect. <laughs> and I ended up getting the job. Anyway, long story short, it was like, shit. So if there, if there wasn't a story, I wouldn't have gotten the job. And it was all complete bullshit. And they fell for it, but I got the job. You could make, like I said, you could make small mistakes, but if there's a story there, people will be okay with it. So when you're designing your menus, make sure that you have a story behind everything. Make sure that there's a story behind where the produce is from. If you can't have a story behind the produce, behind the meat, behind the product, right? If you can't have a story behind the product, then maybe it's behind the chef. Maybe it's time and place, right? Noma does this very well. Think about restaurants like 11 Madison Park in New York, where they talk about, you know, it's, it's New York food. You know, Noma doing their thing, it's, it's Scandinavian, right? There has to be a story to the food. Maybe it's something from your childhood. Maybe it's something that you grew up with. But once you start incorporating that, if there is no story to your food, make one up, right? Find one, give one to your server so that they could share it with the guest. One of the dishes that I did on this cooking interview that I was just telling you about stayed on the menu and it was a beautiful dish that people really enjoyed. But honestly, it was a very difficult pickup. It had way too many touch points and it was good for a cooking interview, but it was bad for service, but it stayed on the menu for a long time. And the reason it stayed on there is because um, the spiel that the servers would give to people was this is the, the dish that got the chef the job. Um, so it stays on the menu and, or versions of it and it stayed on forever. But, uh, you know, I, I eventually, uh, talking to the chef, I was like, yeah, we should probably take this off. They're like, I thought it was a sacred cow. I was like, nah, you can take it off. Uh, it doesn't need to be on there forever. Right. I know it's a, it's a difficult dish, but it sold well. And it shouldn't have sold so well, but the reason it sold so well was because there was a story behind it, that it was the, the, uh, the dish that got me the job. Anyway, long story short, get a story behind your food. And there's a lot of different people that could share the story, right? So like I said, it could be where the food comes from. It could be a sous chef in your kitchen. It could be your story. It could be your parents' story, whatever the case may be. 
but have a story for the food. And when your food has a story, there's an emotional connection. And when you, when you have an emotional connection, right, people will remember it and you will be bonded with the person that's eating the food because now it's like sharing a meal with them. They have a story about the food that they have. And it's also like a little insider thing. They could go and tell people, oh, I had this dish and here's the story behind it. It was so cool. Anyway, that's going to wrap up today's Chef's PSA podcast. If you would like to support the show, first and foremost, make sure you leave five stars and subscribe. Nothing less than five stars, five-star podcast. Less than five stars goes on other podcasts. Definitely not this one. Anyway, go get the new book, uh, ebook, Kitchen Art of War. The other books, Culinary Leadership Fundamentals, How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in the Kitchen, Line Cook Survival Manual. Go get some merch. You can find all of this on chefspsa.com. Thank you all very much and hit the porno music. See you next week.